welcome to the Domestic Fuel Cast, a podcast devoted to news and information about alternative fuels and energy. Produced and hosted by Zimcom New Media. RFS2 gives them something to talk about at the ethanol and biodiesel conferences. I'm your host, John Davis. Earlier this month, the EPA finally released its new renewable fuel standard, better known as RFS2. It was just in time as both the biodiesel and ethanol industries held their national conferences just days after the announcement, prompting multiple sessions at each gathering to discuss the implications of the new rules. At the National Biodiesel Conference and Expo earlier this month, Vice President of Sales and Marketing for the Renewable Energy Group, Gary Hare, said RFS2 will give biodiesel a market foundation never seen before in the biodiesel industry. Now today, we do have an RFS that has been announced by EPA, and we think that that's going to give us something as an industry we've never had before. A, a good foundation of demand for our product that up until this point in time we've had to rely on incentives or other means to uh, create demand for biodiesel in the domestic market. So uh, we're glad to have that in place. Uh, as you can see, the industry has set back a little bit uh, last year, but we feel very optimistic about uh, 2010 and going forward because of the RFS. And Hare says because of the status biodiesel has been granted under RFS2, it should be good news for his industry for years to come. When we look at RFS2, and as uh, you can see here, um, biodiesel is considered biomass-based diesel fuel. And you can see there what the requirements are going to be with a billion gallons demand by 2012. Um, it's also the only fuel, as you've heard through the presentations with MBB, the only to uh, advanced biofuel as well. And so that gives us another market opportunity. I think as an industry, we're very, very excited about that because, again, it gives us some breadth and some uh, broadband uh, in terms of renewable fuels that maybe nobody else can benefit from. So we're very, very excited about that. We think that's going to be a nice market driver as we go forward. And uh, I think we're, the industry is certainly going to benefit from that. Meanwhile, in Orlando, Florida, attendees of the National Ethanol Conference had the chance to discuss the changes in RFS2. President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, Bob Deneen, says the standard is a mixed bag of good and bad. Well, it's uh, sort of a, a glass half full, uh, and it depends on uh, your, your mood, whether you want to look at that glass and say it's half full or half empty. Uh, on the one hand, they created a program that is workable. Uh, we're going to be able to sell into it. We're not talking about California here where, you know, there's a do not enter sign for Midwest ethanol around the state. Uh, this is a program we can sell in. It is recognized that there are significant carbon benefits to grain-based ethanol. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a good thing. On the, on the other hand, uh, the slavish devotion to international land use change continues to undermine uh, the science and give us cause for real frustration the 21% reduction in carbon that EPA's analysis now shows with international land use change would be a 52% reduction in carbon were it not for EPA's inclusion of that ridiculous assumption. So, you know, we're frustrated because we know our fuel is providing tremendous environmental benefit. We know our fuel is the single most important opportunity that, that we have as a nation and as a globe to reduce carbon emissions and yet the benefits that we see aren't being recognized and it's an untold story by EPA 
and, and we just uh, are tired of it. Deneen says the biggest problem with the indirect land use provisions is the incongruity of the application of that part of RFS2, even if it was modified from its original form to now better suit ethanol. That's absolutely true. They made some changes to yield calculations. They made some changes in their modeling assumptions that reduced our international land use um, by more than half and, and greatly improved the numbers. On the other hand, uh, they also reduced Brazil's international land use by 95%. And I, I listened intently to a woman I respect with the Environmental Protection Agency who was here today and tried to explain away uh, the difference in, in this and said, well, the land that would be brought into production from uh, Brazil would be different land than the United States. And I'm sorry, that's just patently ridiculous. It is the same land. And yet somehow EPA's analysis shows, you know, Brazilian sugar as significantly better on an international land use impact, and that's just wrong. And it's one of the things that will continue to baffle us and continue to keep us pounding away at the doorsteps of uh, EPA until we get this thing right. I mean, you want to blame biofuels. The increased use of biofuels is causing deforestation. you got to look at the numbers because, in fact, deforestation has been dropping around the globe uh, as biofuels has increased. And, uh, in fact, in this country, uh, there are more forests today than there were five years ago. So somehow, the, 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 you know, EPA is trying to make a link that does not exist. Dr. Bruce Dale on another uh, panel, I thought, made a really good point. All of these models demonstrating an impact on land use change are uh, guided by uh, farm income. And if the pipes of grain is increasing, then there's going to be a land use change and a carbon impact. Well, I'm sorry. The entire ethanol program was founded on the principle that we would be increasing farm income, that we would prop up the price of grain, that farmers were getting too much money from the federal government. They wanted them to get more money from the marketplace. So suddenly doing what the program was intended to do, uh, we're being penalized for. And so the same logic, if you extend it elsewhere, anything that drives up the price of grain is bad. The CRP program is bad. And environmentalists need to take a look at this from, from a different lens and, and see that really the policy that they are pursuing is just patently absurd. There will be plenty more to talk about RFS2 in the days and weeks and years to come. In fact, the Renewable Energy Group is hosting a webinar on RFS2 on February 24th. More information will be available at regfuel.com. I'm John Davis reporting. You've been listening to the Domestic Fuel Cast, the official podcast of domesticfuel.com. Check out the website daily for the latest good news about the alternative energy industry.